0: Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time, except we finished the Bible. So now we are looking at stories that seem like they should be in the Bible, but they aren't. I'm Lauren O'Neill.
1: And I'm Nico Bakulich.
0: And let's get biblical.
1: Relax, baby.
0: I'm very nervous. Do you know why I'm nervous?
1: Um... Global warming?
0: Yes, but also because it's our hundredth episode. Oh, one hundo. One hundo. Or one a short
1: hundred, as they call centurion.
0: it. Centurion. <laughs> centurion. Uh, did we prepare a special hundredth episode for our listeners? No.
1: no. No, no, we did. But then we recorded it, and it was terrible. We threw it in the trash. So the greatest gift we can give to you, our listeners, consistent quality.
0: And... Definitely looking ahead at our calendar and figuring out important milestones and planning for them. Um, Let's go over some ground rules. I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I'm now an atheist.
1: And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And
0: it's not appropriate for children.
1: I feel like that covers it. Do you want to move on to the topic at hand?
0: The topic at hand. Phew. Pew,
1: pew, pew. I'll put the drop there. I'll put a cool drop there. Okay, thanks. You'll hear some cool sounds. I'll definitely do this. Okay, Note great. to myself, later. Insert cool drop <laughs> there. Okay, keep going.
0: Okay, ready? And it's... Drop, 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 drop. Noah!
1: I'll put in cheering Norse's here.
0: Cheering <laughs> Norse's?
1: <laughs> you heard what I said.
0: <laughs> so, Noah, obviously... Is in the real the Yeah, I was going to say, what Bible. the fuck, Lauren? You were, were going to say, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, I was going to be like, you know, that's the that's the thing that I was going to do. I was going to be like, what the fuck? You know, because we already know all about Noah.
0: Well, you you know, you think you know about Noah. hmm You think you, you know Noah. <laughs> God damn it. Um, there is a lot of, you know, because this is one of the oldest stories in the Bible, mm. there's a lot of mythology built up around Noah. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so there is this stuff in the Bible, but there's a lot of extra stuff, too. Mm -hmm. I do want to start with the canonical story of Noah from the book of Genesis. Um, You know, everybody in the world has heard this story. Mm -hmm. But if you actually look at the Bible, there are some interesting details that you probably didn't know about.
1: I'm into it. Let's do it.
0: Great. So.
1: This is your grandfather's Noah. (laughs) Later, we'll be talking about not your grandfather's Noah.
0: Mr. Noah. Just call him Noah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. <clears throat> he's the son of Lamech. Mm-hmm. He's the grandson of Methuselah. Right. You ever heard of him?
1: I think so. Yeah. And I he's... read about him in my history book.
0: <laughs> he's the great grandson of Enoch, who you can hear more about in our Enoch episode as well as in our recent Archangel episode. Uh, by age 500, you know, still a spring chicken.
1: Yeah, where were you when you were 500? <laughs> yeah,
0: we all remember our 500th birthday. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, But what's important is that the world is getting very wicked around this time. Uh, You know, humans haven't been around that long.
1: Noah is the 10th generation out from Adam.
0: Yes, and... You know, around this time, some evil fuck angels come down mm-hmm. uh, and they have sex with human women. Creating... This is in
1: the real Bible. This just This is to point out. in
0: the real Bible. We've talked about them on many, many episodes because they also show up in Apocrypha because like if that's in the real Bible, how can you not create extra Agreed. stories about yeah. it? But um, they create these cannibalistic giants known as Nephilim. Uh, and so then according to Genesis 6, 6, quote, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. So he decides... We've all been there. Yes. First he decides to lower the human lifespan Mm -hmm. to a mere 120 years. Then he decides to send a giant flood and wipe out, uh, along with most animals, uh, all humans. Because, quote, I regret that I have made them. Very vexing passage for, uh, say, a young Christian named Lauren who has been told that God is uh, perfect and never changing, but somehow he regrets something, Mm -hmm. and it's very confusing. Anyway, he decides to spare Noah because Noah is a righteous man. So he gives him these instructions on how to make a big triple-decker boat called an ark. And to take with him on the ark his wife, his sons, their wives, and several animals, the first instructions say to take Two of every animal, mm-hmm. a mating pair. But then the second set of instructions is to take seven pairs of every clean animal, seven pairs of every kind of bird, and then just one pair of every unclean animal. So mm-hmm. like pigs and grasshoppers and stuff. Even though clean and unclean animals have not been established yet. They won't be established till the book of Leviticus.
1: Oh, we're gonna talk all about time. that in a minute.
0: Um Can I just kind of slurp into the etymology corner for a second?
1: You, look, we can go there. Okay. But you can't (laughs) slurp.
0: Oh, no. Okay. Etymology corner about the ark. The Hebrew word is not ark at all. It's tevet. Oh. And we translate it as ark, which is actually from the Latin word for a large box or chest. Hmm. So that's why the Ark of the Covenant which ends up holding the Ten Commandments, is also called an ark.
1: Even though it's not by—and this is just me—by my count, it's not a boat.
0: Right. Ark actually means a treasure chest. Hmm. So this boat is like the treasure chest where God is keeping all the— His true
1: treasure, clean
0: animals. Yeah, and seven of each, and also a few unclean animals, and also Noah. Additionally, the Bible says the ark is supposed to be made out of gopher wood—
1: and nobody knows what gopher wood is, right? Well, here's They have here's guesses, the thing. but...
0: Yeah. So, like, I grew up as a kid picturing a gopher, right? Like a small burrowing mammal. Sure. And assumed that gopher wood was, you know, like, found in the same habitat as a gopher or maybe a gopher, uh, you know, chewed on it or something. Um, no. Turns out the original Hebrew says, Etse gopher which is like the gopher tree. Mm -hmm. And it's just some Hebrew word that coincidentally sounds the same as the English word gopher. And nobody knows what it means. It's never used anywhere else in the Bible. And it's never been used anywhere else in any ancient texts that we found. Sweet. So it's just a gopher.
1: That does sort of make it difficult to build a period correct arc, right? Yes.
0: However. uh... I know.
1: I know a lot of people have tried.
0: (laughs) Well, that's my last point, uh, actually. Well, this isn't in the etymology corner. This is just in the.
1: Again, we can leave, but you can't slurp. Hey? Hey?
0: Okay. There is a theme park in Kentucky mm-hmm. called The Ark Encounter, created by notorious young earth creationist and all-around dumbass Ken Ham. Uh, it has a life-size ark built following the instructions in the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. it's so-and-so cubits wide. And, and what did the hammer choose whatever. for his wood? Um, I'm not sure what he chose for his wood, but... Just last month, there was a news story that uh, the park had to sue their insurance company because it refused to pay for damages that were incurred during a flood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The ark did not stand up to a flood. So Noah builds the ark. He gets on board with his family and the animals. God makes it rain for 40 days and 40 nights, which kills every creature not on the boat except for the fish and stuff. Uh, doesn't really go into saltwater versus freshwater fish, but we'll just assume they didn't know about that yet. As a kid, I thought, you know, 40 days and 40 nights, like I thought that was the whole ordeal. Mm. But actually it goes on much longer it because does. it just stops raining after 40 days. Uh, but the flood lasts for 150 days. It keeps rising for 150 days. And then that's when God starts to make the waters go down. And the boat gets stranded on the top of Mount Ararat Mm -hmm. or the mountains of Ararat. Right. A region, perhaps. Mount Ararat is in—there's like one now that we still call Mount Ararat. It's in modern-day Turkey. That's not necessarily the same mountain that's being referenced here. So three months after that, they're like stranded. And then the tops of other mountains start, start peaking. Noah sends out a raven, and it says the raven keeps flying back and forth because it can't find anywhere to land. Um, kind of ambiguous about what's going on with the raven. <laughs> like, it's un- it's unclear to me if Noah can see the raven flying back and forth or if it's just gone and the narrator's just telling us that it's flying back yeah. and forth. Um, but regardless, uh, a week later, he sends out a dove, and the dove can't find anywhere to land, so it comes back. And then a week later, he sends it out again, and it can't land anywhere, but the water has receded enough that it finds an olive branch. And so it brings back the olive branch. And then a week later, he sends it out again, and it never comes back because now there's enough dry land that it doesn't need to come back. And so after like a year, like a full year on the ark. Mm
1: -hmm. 365 days or in the lunar calendar, Mm -hmm. a year and 11 days.
0: Damn. Noah and his family... uh, Release all the animals. They get out. They make an offering to God using some of the clean animals and birds. Luckily, they had seven pairs of each on hand. Like
1: God had thought ahead.
0: Yes. And then God promises never again will I destroy all living creatures <laughs> as I have done. And then he sends a rainbow to sort of sign the covenant. The covenant does also involve a couple of rules. Good one rules. for Pride Month. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pride Month. See, we planned this. Mm-hmm. We planned this ahead of time. Uh, There are a couple of rules in the covenant, which are kind of a forerunner to the Ten Commandments. Um, They involve, like... God says
1: trans rights, by the way.
0: (laughs) God does, TBH. But uh, not in this passage. (laughs) Uh, In this passage, he just says, uh, don't eat the flesh of an animal that's still alive. Uh, Don't eat blood. Don't commit murder. And uh, be fruitful and repopulate the earth. So... Now, unfortunately, the first thing Noah does is plant a vineyard. Mm -hmm. And uh, at some point in the near future, he gets turned and passes out naked in his tent. Bad start to the new... This is like the one righteous man that was spared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So not a great start to the new world. But uh, his son Ham, famously, sees his father in his tent, passed out naked. And he goes and tells his brothers, Shem and Japheth, they get a garment and they walk into Noah's tent backwards, turning their heads away from his dick. And they lay the garment over him without seeing his shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Noah wakes up, he curses Ham for seeing his dick, but blesses Shem and Japheth. He actually technically curses Ham's son, Canaan. hmm Um, And he says that the descendants of Canaan should be the slaves of the descendants of Shem and Japheth. And then uh, the Bible just uh, cuts the story off there and just abruptly says Noah lived 350 more years. Don't know what happened during those centuries. And uh, died at age 950 the end. Mm -hmm. Of course, Noah and his family are the only humans left alive. So logically, all humans are descended from them. So Genesis takes a little chapter to sketch out which, like, tribes or ethnic groups are descended from which brother. So, Shem's descendants are the Shemites, and that's where we get the word Semite and Semitic. Um, And his descendants include Abraham, and according to Luke 3.36, Jesus. Uh, Japheth's descendants are the Japhethites that, uh, Mm. they're just in there. They're in the mix. Mm -hmm. And then, uh... Because Ham was cursed due to the unfortunate dick accident, his descendants include uh, the Cushites, a.k.a. Ethiopians, Egyptians, and Canaanites, all tribes that the Israelites are going to be enemies with later. Mm -hmm. And also one of his grandsons is Nimrod, uh, a mighty hunter before the Lord, but also, frankly, a problematic fave. Mm -hmm. And you can hear more about him on our Nimrod episode.
1: Oddly, this this idea of dividing the world into groups based on their relationship to Noah continues well into the 20th century.
0: I mean, we still use the the word Semitic. True, we do. And we talk about, like, that's Semitic languages. and.
1: But all of the, like, pseudoscientific racism of the late 19th century, early 20th century yes. is fully on board with this. Yes. And they're like, oh, well, you know. For phrenologically speaking, Hamites are right. like this.
0: <laughs> yes, we'll get into this more later. But so that's Noah in the Bible itself, in the Book of Genesis, the canonical Bible. But you know, starting very early, there's lots of folk tales about him. There's lots of extra stories about him in in the Talmud and various midrashim. Um, also,
1: those, the, there are predecessor stories to Noah. Of course, yes. because it's it's a story that was likely absorbed from other traditions. Yes. There are parallel versions of the Noah story that were recorded at nearly the same time with different details. It's a it's a very rich tradition of a flood story.
0: Yes. I mean, as, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, there are flood myths around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's flood myths from Africa and the Americas and Australia, everywhere. But in particular... You know, the Mesopotamian epic of Atrahasis mm-hmm. uh, involves the god Ea Enki giving Atrahasis instructions on how to build an ark to survive a flood. And he hasn't put animals on it. And then when he gets off the ark, the first thing he does is make a sacrifice, et etc. Et um The epic of Gilgamesh is right. the closest. Yeah, it's so similar. Very similar. Uh, in the epic of Gilgamesh, uh, Gil goes to visit. Utnapishtim, Mm -hmm. who also survived a great flood. And this one's even more similar because he built an ark and put animals on it. And then the boat eventually landed on a mountain. He releases a dove, a raven, and a swallow. Again, the first thing he does after getting off the boat is to make a sacrifice. And also the goddess Ishtar says she'll never forget this moment and she'll never do this again. Right. Um, just like she'll never forget the shining necklace on her neck. Exactly. Clearly, like, very analogous to the rainbow. The great
1: thing about Utnapishtim is the gods destroy the world because humans are being too loud.
0: Yes, it has nothing to do with sin. They're just annoyed.
1: They're just, like, shitty downstairs neighbors, and they're like, fuck this, they're done. They're just watching flooding them.
0: The Office constantly, and you have to hear <laughs> the theme song every day. They're fighting over rent.
1: Mm-hmm. Slamming doors, etc
0: um however i will note that this flood only lasts six days and nights
1: look if the i don't really care how long the flood is if it kills everything on earth that's <laughs> pretty much the point right but then they're only on the boat for
0: six days well it's child's play
1: they were chosen by god well in no in the case of gilgamesh and Ut- utnapishtim they survived due to their own cleverness Wiliness. yeah but in noah's case he was chosen by god and God chose to put him through that trial.
0: Did you know there's actually even in Greek mythology?
1: Yes, there is. There's a
0: story where Zeus decides to wipe out humanity with a flood. Was it called the
1: Deucalion? The yes. Deucalion?
0: Well, it's the, the, the Noah figure is Deucalion. Deucalion. Um, he's Prometheus' son. Mm. And Prometheus gives him the heads up. He's like, yo, I heard... Some shit going down. What
1: did he hear from the frickin' vulture is tearing his liver yeah, out Yeah, or whatever. That would be so funny if they chatted, you know, like he was his nail technician, <laughs> you know? Just be like, I heard while like he was tearing those, out his liver.
0: In those Looney Tunes cartoons where, like, the dog and the cat are chasing each other and then they, like, clock out. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that one's a little less similar. They repopulate the earth by uh, throwing bones and rocks over their shoulders. Love it. Anyway, uh, shall we get into some of the exciting extra biblical material about Noah?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to take us back. We're going to stop. We're going to rewind. Okay. And we're going to imagine a world
0: before... All the way th- back in 1985.
1: <laughs> it was the summer of 85. <laughs> I think it sounded a little something like this. No, I want to talk about the the pre-flood period because...
0: The antediluvian.
1: Indeed. Because extra textual stuff, and by that I mean like uh, Midrash and the Talmud and stuff, mm-hmm. builds out this era a little bit.
0: And just to remind everybody, if you don't already know, the Midrashim and the Talmud are like different uh, texts of like rabbinical commentary yeah. on on the Bible as well as on like other like Jewish laws and stuff. Yeah.
1: And the earliest ones were oral traditions yeah. that were passed down
0: the oral torah quote yeah. unquote is the the mishnah
1: and then later there were a bunch of extra stuff the rabbis that are most famous and that I'll probably be, like referencing the most were in the early bcs early ads mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah. ce's excuse me this is a
0: this is a politically correct podcast that's right i always say ad because i think that the when you say like bce and ce mm. it's It sounds too similar.
1: It is phonetically confusing. And
0: the thing that's stupid is that we count it from Jesus' death, not that we put, like, Anno Domini, right? Like.
1: Yeah, it does seem arbitrary that you would decide, oh, it's just a coincidence. That's the beginning of the common era.
0: Yeah, that's the common era. Like, that's that doesn't actually decenter Christianity anyway. Anyway, uh, continue on your journey to the past.
1: Yeah, to the past. So in our Enoch episode, we laid out the plot more comprehensively mm-hmm. of how the angels came down and why they came down and who were the instigators and whatnot
0: mm-hmm.
1: and specifically what secret gifts they gave to mankind yes. such as makeup and farming and reading
0: yes astrology as well
1: anyway so i find it super fascinating this antediluvian period because it's apparently a time when the offspring of angels lived among men mm-hmm. you know there was like an uneasy peace And according to rabbinical commentary, this period of history after Adam and Eve left paradise, uh, but before the flood, was just like a time of plenty. Like, people didn't live in cities. People didn't know how to farm. Yeah. People didn't have any conflict. They all spoke one language. Um, Well,
0: they had a little bit of conflict because we got Cain and Abel.
1: That's true. That that was the birth of that was the birth of conflict. And I I gather it was a rare thing until the giants really started popping off. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so this is a time when God provides for everything. Like people don't have to do much, but still, with this abundance, it, things were corrupted. You know, things were getting out of control. They talk about this was being like a time of thievery and lust mm-hmm. and violence and stuff like that as the as the giants and the humans sort of came into conflict, and I think that's a that's a very interesting setting and a very strange idea to have about about a period of the world.
0: It is. We also know from the Book of Enoch that uh, Noah himself was was born uh, radiant. He was shining, uh, and his skin was very white, and his blood was very red, and he's talked about in in basically messianic terms. And he is kind of a messiah in that he ends the world and starts a new one.
1: True, I have I have the quote here.
0: Oh yeah, lay it um, on me.
1: So first of all, not only was he born radiant, but he was born circumcised.
0: Wow, very advanced, advanced penis.
1: And so this, on Noah. That quote is from a non extant book Whoa. Ca- called the Books of Noah. Whoa. There were fragments in the Dead Sea Scrolls, but it's also quoted extensively in the Book of Enoch. So a bunch of the stuff in Enoch about Noah was from this non uh, this text that we don't have anymore. We just have in fragmentary form. But one of the fragments that Man, we this do This
0: episode would have been so much better if we just had that freaking book. I
1: know, baby. <laughs> we got to dig in some <laughs> freaking caves. We got to
0: start digging.
1: We got to become spelunkers, baby. <laughs> Biblical spelunkers. The book of Noah describes him thus. His body was white as snow and red as the blooming of the rose and the hair of his head and his long locks were white as wool. His eyes beautiful. He lighted up the whole house like a sun, and the whole house was very bright. Thereupon he rose in the hands of the midwife, opened his mouth, and conversed with the Lord of Righteousness. It's a classic baby rabbi situation. Classic
0: baby rabbi. We've
1: seen it so many times before. <laughs> um, and then, we'll so
0: with the Virgin Mary.
1: And then Lamech <laughs> complains to Methuselah. He says... I have begotten a strange son, diverse from and unlike man, and resembling the sons of the God of heaven. And his nature is different, and he is not like us, and his eyes are the rays of the sun.
0: But he's not a fuck-angel baby. Like, I know. Just, just want to make that the clear. The implication
1: that jumps he's to my mind. He's not a Nephil. That he's he's like, you know, that his wife was maybe doing an angel
0: on <laughs> um, You also may remember that Raziel, the angel of secrets... Uh, gave Adam a sort of pre-Torah Torah. Torah, Yes. With like all the secrets of the universe Mm -hmm. transcribed in like a sapphire. And uh, supposedly this was passed down through the generations to Noah and he had it hanging on the inside of the ark.
1: And also supposedly, Mm -hmm. according to uh, Rabbi, uh, what's that one? Pirke? Mm
0: -hmm. Pirke de Eliezer. There you go. Thank
1: you. Um, In that one, that's how Noah actually knows the dimensions by which to build the ark Hmm. because he's like well if he had access to the torah he would know the dimensions of the ark
0: whoa but isn't that a huge paradox that's a time paradox i love that that's crazy but where i think where we really start getting into the good stuff is on the ark because obviously like the ark is not a pleasant place to live for an entire year and i appreciate that some rabbis tried to like put themselves in Noah's shoes, totally, and uh, and imagine what that year was like. So it's very tight quarters. Obviously, it's it's a big boat, but it's carrying it's packed with beasts. It's, yeah, it's carrying all the animals that exist and enough food for all of them,
1: mm-hmm. and a, a wide variety of food as well.
0: Yes, and so he's got to yeah, Noah's got to like first he's got to keep the prey and the predators separated because mm-hmm. he can't have you know the lions Just eating like the all the giraffes. said
1: Those many years ago
0: he also has to have yeah like food for lions as well as food for giraffes it's a, it's a you know he's got to have like acacia trees on the ark one story says he gets swiped by a lion for feeding it late and he walks with a limp for the rest of his life
1: that's right he uh drinks to excess to, to cover the, pain. the cover, number the pain mm, from that interesting.
0: injury interesting the ark uh is three stories tall it says in genesis it's a triple decker the medieval rabbi. You
1: sounded like you wanted to drop there. Like uh, th- it's just like one of our classic triple deckers. <laughs> it's a triple decker, decker,
0: decker, decker, decker. The medieval rabbi Rashi says that the lower deck was used just for excrement. I'm not sure why they couldn't just toss that off the side into the giant worldwide flood. Yes. Uh, but, you know.
1: Rashi says some wild stuff.
0: One of us is is a great rabbi, and one of us is not. So, if one of us says Noah's ark was weighed down with thousands of pounds of animal shit, you know, I trust him.
1: Yeah, it's like a, a leave it like you found it situation. Th- yeah, yeah. They didn't want to pollute God's new sea. Fair
0: enough. <laughs> but um,
1: uh, early rabbis suggested that the ark, because of its mystical origins, contained you know it was like a it was like a pocket dimension, and it uh, was infinitely okay.
0: large. That makes sense. Like the the internal dimensions exceed the external. It's like House of Leaves.
1: (laughs) I've never read it.
0: Uh, That's okay. I haven't either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So because of the many delicious varieties of shit Mm -hmm. on the Ark, Noah and his family start to get new and exciting diseases uh, that have never been encountered by humanity before. I don't know this. Um, But not to worry because an angel takes Shem On a quick trip up to heaven, and he receives the Book of Medicines, and that is what all future medical knowledge is based on, including everything the ancient Greeks came up with. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Also, neither humans nor animals are allowed to fuck, because it would just be rude.
1: Well, also, God made a rule. Everything that gets on the boat has got to come off the boat. No more, no less.
0: Mm. I thought it was just, you know, everyone else is, like, being... Uh, brutally killed so it would just it would just harsh be in bad vibe. taste yeah it would just be in bad taste
1: i think it's just sea law
0: <laughs> it's maritime ancient maritime law
1: well I, but you mentioned the rabbis putting themselves in noah's shoes and an example of that that i love is that they explained how noah and his sons barely slept the entire year because one animal would need to be fed at midnight and the next at 2 a.m. and the next at 3 a.m. and oh, the next of course. at 4 AM.
0: Animals have different they have different times of day when they're active.
1: So they never slept.
0: You gotta get the crepuscular ones, mm-hmm. the diurnal, the nocturnal. Of course. Hmm. But couldn't they like take shifts? I mean, there's four men and four women.
1: But there are so many species of animals. That's right? true.
0: Yeah, that's true. Speaking of species of animals, uh the flood is traditionally a very convenient way to kind of close the door on uh, anti deluvian mythical beasts. Mm-hmm. Because like these early stories in Genesis, they're really, really ancient, right? And they're not like uh, really fleshed out enough. Yeah, to they're like, not really
1: like consistent with the rest. of Yeah,
0: the... they're not consistent even internally, let alone yeah. with like the rest of the Bible. Um, and so the flood is like a really convenient way to like close all those threads. So right. if you're like, well, you know, if God uh, created the Garden of Eden... And Genesis 2.14 says that the Tigris and Euphrates rivers flow from the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. Like, why can't I go find it? Right. You know, and the answer is just like, oh, well, the flood wiped it out. Uh, Jews who were exposed to Greek culture, like, adopted the idea of the centaur or other Greek mythological animals. But then they were like, oh, yeah, like like that makes sense. I can imagine like a horse man combination. But, you know, the flood wiped them out.
1: Yeah. And one of the things the flood did wipe out is the giants. The, the giants that yes. was like one of the main points yes with, with was the flood wiping out all the giants. However the, the rabbis say in Pirkei Eleazar that Noah warned the giants that they the giants saw it coming, saw the flood coming
0: because they were so tall.
1: <laughs> not specifically, although here's the quote, if the flood should come, it could not harm us. We are too tall and moreover, we could close up with our feet the springs from below. Mm. Then, uh, according to, again, Rabbi Pirkei Eli- Pirke Rabbi Eliezer, when God started to flood the world and they started to close the springs, because it not only fell from the sky, but it came out from the ground. Yes. When they started to close the springs with their feet, he heated up the water to boiling temperatures. Yes. So the giants had to jump into the air. And then so the giants were so upset by this, they started throwing their children at the springs to try oh, no. and clog the springs up. And that's how monstrous they were. Oh,
0: my God. But it wasn't
1: good enough to close up the springs.
0: So I read that actually the reason that like the, the water was boiling mm-hmm. was because it had been uh, burned in the fires of Gehenna. It had been boiled in like hell, basically. And it was like hellfire raining down on all the sinners.
1: So there's even another conversation from a Midrash. Uh, Noah was asked when he was talking with the giants about the flood, what kind of flood was going to be coming? If a flood of fire, they had a fire animal, Alita, the name of which would act as a spell against fire. If of water, they had sheets of iron to cover the springs. Oh,
0: but it was both. So what are you going to do then?
1: But in case the waters descended above, above, they had another contrivance by which to escape, the Akolb. Or Akosh, a.k.a. the Humble Sponge.
0: The Humble Sponge!
1: So, <laughs> the giants had a whole plan. It wow. didn't It didn't work, though.
0: I also read that, uh, so like Genesis 2 says that like it didn't rain in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. There was just like a self-watering mist. sure. Um, so that, that sounds lovely. I know, doesn't it? So this rain might be like the first rain that's ever existed. Oh wow! So then the giants like don't even know what to.
1: Exist. I like that too.
0: But there was one giant uh, that survived, and we know he survived because he's in the canonical Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, and he is named Og. Uh, he's not one of the Nephilim. He's one of the rephaim Mm. which is a different type of giant unclear what kind of fuck spirit produced the rephaim yeah uh and in deuteronomy
1: they seem to be less chaotic than their yeah they do do seem to be
0: less less of a problematic fave um moses's army defeats the giant og Mm -hmm. king of bashan uh, as part of their their military campaign to take over the promised land um and it says in Deuteronomy that he's the last of the Rephaim and his bed was nine cubits long by four cubits wide, which is about 13 by six feet or so. You may be wondering, of course, if the flood wiped out all these giants, how did Og survive to Moses's time generations mm-hmm. later? So there is a legend uh, that accounts for this where Og swore to be a servant to Noah and his family forever if they would let him hitch a ride on the ark Mm -hmm. so he uh sat on top and uh Noah bored a little hole in the ceiling so he could pass food up through it not sure it seems like that might be a little risky with the rain situation but uh it seemed to all work out for the best
1: uh one thing I'd like you to note about Og. Uh, the Torah says, only Noah and those with him in the ark survived. If you take the Hebrew words, only Noah, and add up their numerical value, you get 79. I'll bet you can guess what other word has the numerical value of 79. OG.
0: What has the numerical value of 69?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about numerology. You know. <laughs> By the way, if you want to read a very strange little piece Uh, called The Memoirs of Og. Oh, my God. I strongly recommend heading over to Chabad.org. Oh,
0: my God. I I didn't know about this. Because they have
1: a very cute uh, narrative version of a description of Og and his life in the Bible.
0: He's usually portrayed as, like, an enemy. But he does have this, this this cute childlike moment where he just rides on top of the ark.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, his story is amazing, right? I mean, he, like survived the flood but he wasn't one of god's chosen and he's In like fact,
0: still alive generations later yeah way after noah yeah way after shem and ham and japheth by the way did you know that
1: noah only lived 950 years because he gave 50 to moses
0: oh that was kind of him
1: yeah adam also apparently gave 50 years to moses wow should we take a break yeah let's take 50 years of our own and by that i mean one minute or so, you're going to hear some music, and then we'll be back with more Noah, more Lauren, more Nico, all your friends on the couch, and we'll see you in a couple. Bye-bye. Okay. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. I'm Lauren. And my wife is laughing at me. I'm not laughing. She laughed at me.
0: I didn't laugh.
1: I'm embarrassed.
0: We are talking about Noah. You know him from the Bible. <laughs> but extra biblical stories about Noah. Where's Next.
1: he at in his journey? He's on the boat. Yeah. He's about to land, honestly.
0: We're saying that, yeah, he's landed. He's been stranded on Mount Ararat. Mm-hmm. Um. hmm and he's, he's got to send out some birds. So he sends out a raven first. And like I said earlier, it's kind of ambiguous. It says the raven flies back and forth. But it's not clear whether Noah sees the raven and understands that it can't land anywhere. Or if it's just like a bad tool for this particular job.
1: Oh, also, raven is an unclean bird.
0: The raven is an unclean bird. Um, and so according to legend, the raven was very unhappy about being sent out. Because there's only one breeding pair right. on the Ark. Mm-hmm. There's seven of the of doves, for example, because they're clean. Um, and so the raven is like, you know, what if I get hurt? Then ravens will go extinct. Are you are you trying? To are you okay with that? Extinct? Are you trying to get what? with my wife?
1: Mmm, a great question.
0: Uh, why do you hate me? Why are you uh making me do this? And. But Noah makes him do it anyway. (laughs) Um, Now, personally, I think there's a loophole here because Genesis does say seven of each type of clean animal and seven of each type of bird. That's right. Uh, It doesn't say... Clean versus well, unclean birds.
1: not both versions of this story, because ver- the story occurs twice in Genesis.
0: Yeah, well, that happens a-, a bit in Genesis. But I think there's a loophole. I think there's a loophole. Again, I'm not a learned rabbi, you know, mm. renowned through the centuries for his sagacity, but I think there's a loophole.
1: According to commentary also, even in versions of this story where Noah didn't have the magic time-traveling Torah. Mm-hmm.
0: He... Engraved in the sapphire.
1: yes. He knew the unclean animals from the clean because when he started to round up animals, the clean ones bowed to him.
0: Oh, interesting. As if they
1: were little temple deer in oh, Japan or that's something very like that. Cute. But the unclean ones, of course, would not bow because he's not I mean, what does he mean to them? Right. You know?
0: I did also read that the animals all came to him willingly. Yes. Because, you know, he wouldn't have been able to round up every species. No. That would be too many.
1: He's not some sort of magical hunter although he did live 500 years before the flood that's true but we're past that apologies for interrupting and sending us flying back into the distant past
0: much like a raven (laughs) um Mm -hmm. (laughs) flying back and forth until the waters recede i see also one story says that it flies to and fro until it finds a delicious bloated corpse that's right because yeah ravens feed on carrion so, it just has to find one floating dead human killed in the flood. Mm-hmm. And then it's just going to go to town. So, after all these birds have flown to and fro,
1: after all the, the bird business,
0: we get the rainbow. And uh, there is debate among the rabbis who wrote all these biblical commentaries about whether the rainbow existed before Noah's time. Mm. Or uh whether God invented it right there on the spot. So some say it was created when God strengthened the sun after the flood. Mm, I guess To, to dry up the water. To burn up the water sure. or something.
1: Uh God uses science. We all know
0: that. <laughs> yeah, this is if there's one thing you can say about the story of Noah's Ark. Science very based. scientific. Um some say God created the rainbow, you know, during the original seven days of creation, but hid it in the clouds and no one no humans had seen it Mm -hmm. until now Mm -hmm. um and uh you're not supposed to stare straight at the rainbow because the shekinah appears in it what yes
1: you could hurt your eyes
0: yes she's she's clothed in yellow red and white garments
1: I guess the rest of the spectrum just isn't for her.
0: It's, you know, she's just taken some of it, Hmm. but you're not supposed to look straight at it.
1: Oh, by the way, according to rabbis, the entire world flooded, but Israel did not. What? To be clear.
0: But what?
1: Apparently, Israel did not flood.
0: Wow, good for Israel.
1: Of course, Noah and... The previous generations were not living anywhere near Israel. I
0: guess they were living in Turkey. Yeah. Near Mount Ararat.
1: Yeah. That's the only explanation that some people have. Like, how could it be? Why would he flood the promised land or something like that? Anyway, Israel didn't flood.
0: It is also said that during the generation of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, who was kind of the original Kabbalah guy, Mm -hmm. like back in the second century, uh, during his Lifetime, no rainbows ever appeared because he was a tzaddik, or righteous really? man. Um, so he was basically a living rainbow himself. Wow! Because um, like the the rainbow is like a sign of God's mercy, yeah. But the righteous man is also a sign of God's mercy. So you don't even need the rainbow; it's redundant.
1: Speaking of tzaddik, and mm-hmm. this will this will key in with uh, what Noah does when he lands. Yeah. And the first is the first steps he takes.
0: The sacrifice
1: there. Are, well, not only the sacrifice, but his future career as a vintner. Mm. There was a a ton of discussion in rabbinical writings about whether Noah was actually like a good person, like whether he was like a an actually righteous man or not.
0: Yes, I saw some of that because the the debate is kind of like, okay, so he lived during a very sinful generation, right? Um, he was like the only righteous one in this generation, but does that mean like, okay, he was more righteous than the others? But, like, compared to a real generation, he wouldn't be that good. Right. Because
1: in Genesis 6-9, it says...
0: Yeah, 69.
1: hmm Yeah. It, it describes him as a just man and perfect in his generation. Hmm. So people looked at some of his actions, specifically in, in, also in rabbinical commentary, there's a lot of stuff about him doubting, like waiting until the water was thigh high before getting in the ark. Whoa. Damn. It's not like he was getting in the ark early because Mm -hmm. he was sure the flood was coming. He was waiting until the water was (laughs) thigh high before he got in the ark.
0: There is always like a lot of dramatization in like pop culture representations where like, oh, his neighbors are laughing at him because he's building this giant boat, even though they live in the middle of the desert. You know, none of that is actually in Genesis. No.
1: But in the commentaries, sometimes he's building it for 120 years. Yes. And that he planted the cedar forests. In, in The, the commenta- gopher for forest. In, in the commentaries it's Cedar, he planted <laughs> the cedar forest that he would eventually harvest to make the ark and all the while telling all of his neighbors what he was doing hmm. to prepare for this great flood.
0: So actually, that's interesting because in Islam, he has a fourth son.
1: Oh, he does the
0: fourth son. And the fourth son is not a true believer. Mm. And he refuses to get on the ark. See, that's a great way to improve the story. It's a great twist. He says if it rains, I'll just go up, I'll go up high on a mountain um and avoid the flood. And uh he does climb up on a mountain, but he gets he gets drowned. And also his name is Yam, which is pretty similar to Ham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh Seems like some notes got mixed up there.
1: Yeah, but maybe.
0: Um, He's also a lot more active in the Quran. Mm. Um, He's out there like he's a prophet. Yeah. And he's preaching and he's trying to get people to listen to his message and repent before this flood. Uh, In the Bible, he just...
1: He's pretty passive in the Bible. It
0: doesn't really say anything about his opinions or anything. He just, he builds the boat and he gets on it.
1: No, but that's what makes him a rich vessel for Midrashim, for commentary yeah. and for extra stories and stuff like that, because in the Bible, his story is extremely evocative, but somewhat vaguely sketched, you know?
0: Yes. Also, so I think it's interesting that uh, there's this Jewish historian, Josephus, mm-hmm. right, who- um, Flavius. Flavius Josephus.
1: Flavius the Flavor um, Josephus. Who
0: was uh, like a Romanized Jew mm-hmm. and, and was writing like kind of uh, shortly after Jesus's life. And he makes Noah kind of in the middle. He's kind of Mm -hmm. semi-active in a way that I find really funny because he says that Noah's, like, trying to preach to the Nephilim Mm -hmm. uh, because he, quote, was very uneasy at what they did. (laughs) (laughs) And then he tries to convert them, but when they don't convert, he's afraid they'll kill him, and so he just moves to a different area.
1: (laughs) Which is funny because, like, at this point, God doesn't have an organized religion. Right. Like in the antediluvian period, it's before organized religion. Right.
0: But it's just monotheism. That's the deal. You're not supposed to worship idols.
1: Yeah. But God doesn't even have any rules before. Yeah. The flood. Yeah. Noah's the first person he makes a deal with. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He is. He's, he makes the covenant with them. and that's But
1: maybe he was like. Maybe it was like a communication problem. Like he expected everybody to follow the Noahite rules.
0: Well, yeah. which, okay. are,
1: which are a different thing. So there actually. is the
0: the Noahid laws, yeah. and that's kind of expanding on. You know, I, I mentioned there was like he signs the covenant with a rainbow, mm-hmm. and that covenant includes a few rules, um, and those are called the Noahid laws or the seven laws of Noah, and they're really only like three or four in the actual Bible. But commentary has expanded them into seven. And it's like, it's like, don't eat blood or living creatures and like, don't uh, murder and uh, try murderers in court. And then there's a couple more. There's like, You're no not supposed,
1: idolatry. You can't graft trees in a city.
0: You can't graft trees in a city. I, That's one of the seven like laws that everybody has to obey. I
1: may be getting that wrong. There is one that is it does involve grafting trees. Damn. Though. That is an important part of it. But I'm not sure what it's about.
0: The other thing uh, Josephus does that I find funny is that he goes out of his way to like he's writing for like a Roman audience. Mm-hmm. And so he goes out of his way to explain why people lived longer, like why Noah could be nine hundred fifty years old. Mm-hmm. And he's like, OK, A, of all creation was new and like food was more nutritious. <laughs> B, God had just invented humans and he wanted them to like live longer and then C, uh they needed to live longer so they could, like, figure out astronomy and, like, crop rotation. Mm-hmm. Stuff that takes, like, generations to figure out. <laughs> so God let them figure that out.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, before writing, you would need extremely long lifespans to assemble, like, generational yeah. knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Sure, Flavio.
0: Yeah. Um. The last thing I want to cover is, uh. well, everybody's, everybody's favorite segment of the show, What's the Deal with Ham? Mm-hmm. Uh why is it such a big deal that that Noah's son saw him naked? It seems like if anyone's in the wrong here it's Noah. He's the one who got too drunk and passed out yeah, naked. Naked. Um but he was in his own tent? I mean, it's it's kind of Can't
1: kinda, a man pass out drunk in his own tent? I
0: feel like it's kind of a victimless crime. So, I was surprised to learn that a very common rabbinic theory is that Ham didn't just look at his dad naked. He, he took touch. advantage. Yeah. He took advantage of him being passed out drunk to either castrate him or sodomize him. Yeah. Quote unquote. Right. Um. That seems like such a modern take on it that I was really surprised to learn that that's like what rabbis came up with in the year 500. Um, but. Well, I mean, if you look at the
1: text, mm-hmm. the text in Genesis is so vague.
0: It is very vague. And it's like, why is this such a big deal? It does he seem curses, to be.
1: He curses Ham's line forever. Yes. And, and that's like pretty early on in humanity. Right. So it's kind of like a foundational curse. Yes. The only bigger one is is Cain and Abel.
0: Right. Which, by the way...
1: Created vampires.
0: <laughs> no, that's not what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, you know, Cain, after murdering Abel, is condemned to be a ceaseless wanderer on mm. the earth.
1: Yeah, like a fucking vamp. Um,
0: And so there is an interpretation that, like, he couldn't die because that would make his wandering, like, cease.
1: Yeah, so he's a freakin'
0: vampire. But then he gets killed by the flood. Very convenient.
1: Now he just walks along the ground,
0: <laughs> <laughs> just underwater.
1: Yeah, sucking the blood out of fishes and whatnot.
0: Um, there's I've seen a you <laughs> You've okay. You'll love to see it. <laughs>
1: You'd love to see it.
0: There's a slightly less provocative theory about the curse of Ham, mm-hmm. uh, which is that basically what Ham should have done. When he went in the tent and and saw that that donga dingin right? He again
1: circumcised at birth. Circumcised so.
0: at birth. Magnificent penis. <laughs> he should have looked away and covered it up, you know, like his brothers sure. eventually did, and he shouldn't have gone and told his brothers about it so that there were more witnesses to Noah's shame, right? Um, as a myth, you know, it seems clear, like the. The objectives of the myth seem clear, right? right? It's like, you know, you're supposed to obey and respect your parents even if they fuck up. Yes. And, you know, invent viticulture a little too early, say, uh it also of course justifies fuck around and accidentally invent <laughs> <laughs> Might fuck around and invent viticulture. Uh it also of course justifies the Israelites being enemies with all the tribes that are supposedly descended from Ham.
1: Right, cuz then then you're stuck in this position where everybody is descended from the same family, so like and we know that people now kill each other,
0: right? And so when it's like
1: protecting your family line is the most important thing. So how do you justify that, right?
0: Also, like the Old Testament describes very atrocious acts against you know when when Moses big old band of Israelites
1: retake the retake the Holy Land,
0: retake the Promised Land. I mean, they literally kill men, women, and children. Yeah, and they're like Canaanites and Philistines, all these people who are supposedly descended from Ham and so any human that like is killing children feels bad <laughs> and uh societies come up with justifications for that so this is like one possible justification for that um
1: but it's a very i mean i like they should have made it more explicit if, i mean yeah.
0: so but what's interesting to and me and not more
1: explicit like with three axes
0: <laughs> i mean it's already pretty explicit with the dick um what's interesting to me is that you're saying, like, okay, that's not, like, a good justification. That's, like, mm. that's like pretty weak sauce. But people continue to use that passage across cultures and continents and centuries into mm-hmm. the very recent past. This is what we were alluding to at the beginning of the show because eventually Europeans and, like, white Americans decided that African people are the descendants of Ham um, and that justifies making them slaves.
1: Right. Because Noah not only invented getting absolutely sauced, he invented slavery.
0: Yeah. He says specifically that the descendants of Ham should be the slaves of the other two. Um, And so that was very commonly used as a biblical justification for slavery. And even more recently, that was used in the Mormon church to justify black people not getting full rights.
1: Mm, Because you can't let people with the curse of Ham in? Yep oh my lord so like
0: black people could join the church but you know in like in mormonism the, the men get to be like like every man is a priest
1: they get ranked yeah they yeah. get like
0: ranked but so black men couldn't like they could join but they couldn't be like they couldn't have the status of men
1: so they couldn't go through like the special rituals and get promoted and stuff. yeah
0: or yeah. whatever i mean i don't
1: and they certainly couldn't be like elders or whatever exactly yeah.
0: i don't really know the details but and that was like Until very, very recently, right? Mm. Like, when Mitt Romney ran for president, he talked about, you know, he had this story about hearing that black people were finally allowed in and he was, like, crying of joy or whatever. So Mm. that was, like, you know, just in the past couple decades. It's very interesting to me that humanity has changed so little that, like, it's been 3,000 years or whatever since this story was, like, probably more since the original story was written. Yeah. And people still use the same exact text to justify the same exact thing but with like ethnicities that don't even exist in the bible there's no white people and black people in the bible like right. those aren't no those aren't races in the bible but like we can still use that myth in the exact same way that it was used that's very interesting to me
1: i mean it really makes the case for the bible as a a living, like human document. It's
0: that, like that the is... Constitution.
1: <laughs> no, it's not a living document like that. I mean, well, in some traditions it is. In Judaism, it is. It's a living document. Well,
0: some some forms Judaism.
1: Agreed. <laughs> in some, it stopped in the fifteenth century. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is somewhat related to that. I mentioned briefly earlier how rabbis are not. Or we're not sure in the time when they were writing important Midrashim and, and, and whatnot, whether Noah was a good man or mm-hmm. not. Do you know what Noah's name is from?
0: No, in Hebrew it's Noach, but I don't know what it's from.
1: It's supposedly some, and again, I will have to defer to you on this one, obviously, but it's some derivation of to rest or to be at rest. Okay. Uh, so that has been a like a poetic touch point for a lot of people in thinking about. Noah. Hmm. So for example, Rabbi suggested that he was called that because he was the first person to invent a plow and he was the first person to plow the earth.
0: Yes, I have read that he invented farming implements.
1: Right. So he sort of represents the human transition between a like nomadic or gathering
0: oh like hunter gatherers into agriculture. Into
1: agriculture.
0: That I really like that because, as I've mentioned previously on the podcast, I kind of like to think of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. as, like, this weird genetic memory of, like, before we evolved into, like, homo sapiens per se, mm-hmm. when we were just, like, naked in the wild and, like, didn't know anything. Right. And that, like, the idea of the, the tree of knowledge, the fruit of the tree of knowledge is kind of like, oh, suddenly this species gained language and now we know things and it's really weird
1: yeah so one thing i've i've heard proposed which i thought was very interesting was the idea of adam and eve in paradise is the idea of being perpetually in a single moment without having any idea of future or past
0: Mm, mindfulness
1: (laughs) because you can never be worried and you can never dwell on anything bad that's ever happened
0: and that's what happens when you don't have language, by the way.
1: Yeah, you do. It's very difficult to maintain Consult a future and a past.
0: Lauren Marks's uh, memoir about having brain damage and having aphasia. Mm. And she lost all but 40 words. And she was like, yeah, when I, d- when I only had 40 words, I was the least anxious. Like, there was no anxiety because I didn't have words to form that stuff.
1: But then when the old world is destroyed, when the hunter-gatherer world is destroyed... And an agricultural world is born that's that's Noah that's bringing people to rest
0: hmm. is is
1: one interpretation of it
0: I love that
1: do you think it's time to rate this
0: uh rate this fellow? I suppose we can rate this little man okay
1: How would you rate this book, my
0: dear I'm gonna give it i think six out of seven boat hopping giants nice um well, first of all, I really actually surprisingly enjoyed rereading the Noah's story just in genesis Mm -hmm. um and seeing all the details that usually get left out yeah obviously we covered that in our like very first episode but we didn't have time to like go into detail
1: that's a you know it's a thing that just comes to my mind occasionally when making this show is that like it's too bad it's so much stuff
0: is in genesis it's
1: very natural that our first episode was genesis right yeah however it's also kind of too bad that our first episode was genesis what if we had
0: done it in reverse would that be wild that's what we're going to... Season four. <laughs> we're just doing it in reverse. Please don't say that out loud. Um, But... So I enjoyed that. And then I very much enjoyed all the folktale additions. Mm-hmm. I love any type of wacky folktale additions to myths. Also, I just think, um, you know... Claude Levi-Strauss said that myths are good to think with. Mm. And I think that the myth of Noah is really interesting, like... We're talking about oh, that's when humans gained agriculture, mm-hmm. or like oh, that's um, that like justifies slavery.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I think it's just a really powerful story somehow, for better or for worse. Obviously, uh, for worse in the case of slavery, but um, just very interested in how tenacious this story has been and how many cultures it's crossed and how many centuries and and geographical thousands of miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting to me. What would you rate it?
1: I would give it eight out of nine rabbinical interpolations. Okay, and for a lot of the same reasons, it, it's super fascinating to me. It reminds me most of the stories of the apocalypse mm-hmm. that recur in a lot of traditions I mean, and in the and in Jewish and Christian literature all over the place. Yeah,
0: it is about the world ending.
1: It's about the world ending, and I think. Like always with apocalypse stuff, it's actually about confronting any radical change. Uh, The one that looms large in everyone's life is, of course, death. Mm -hmm. Don't like
0: it? Don't want to think about it.
1: That's right. But the idea is that maybe, you know, when the rest of the world is destroyed, a.k.a. your consciousness is destroyed, you'd be carried by God to the other side, to a new world.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just... One way to interpret it, which means that shit's got legs, baby. Yeah. You know, it's got guns and it's not afraid to use them. Wow. And by that, I mean, it's it's a powerful.
0: It's going to shoot you. Myth In the face.
1: Even though in the Bible, there are two versions of it which conflict slightly and are very confusing.
0: That happens a lot in the Bible.
1: When you think about it, those two stories are like two versions of the same story from hundreds of years apart. Yeah, so they it's are. actually so it's actually cool that there are two versions of it.
0: It's combining different oral traditions, and then like you know, the one in the Epic of Gilgamesh is a slightly different one. Yeah,
1: from like five hundred years before the oldest Bible one, probably. Yeah. So like, it's actually good that there are multiple versions of the story, and it it should be a moment of education about how important stories can get retold and get changed slightly. And can still have value in both forms, um, which is the, the best part of the Bible to me, honestly, in some ways.
0: That's the power. Yeah, that's the power of the Bible. Right. Is that people read it and they use it as like a mythological tool or as, a, as an ideological tool. And that can be done in so many, infinitely many ways.
1: And the Bible is not just that tool, but it is an example of that usage. In yeah. the fact that it has thousands of years of that embedded within it, yeah. So,
0: Just suck on that.
1: Yeah. So if you don't if you don't mind, kind listener, suck on that.
0: <laughs> or should we should we slash open the mailbag and spill its sweet contents all over the studio?
1: I would love to, my dear
0: listener. Dave wrote in with a picture of a frankly kickass tattoo uh, with a line from Song of Songs in Irish. Don't know how to pronounce the Irish because Irish spelling makes even less sense than English. Believe it or not, uh, in English it's uh, you know it's until the day breaks and the darkness flees. In the original Hebrew, Dave, if you care to learn, it's Adsheyafuch Hayom Venasu Hatslalim.
1: A couple of people also wrote in about our last episode on the apocalypse of Abraham to tell us that the substance that the Syrian traders were traveling to Egypt for, coconil, is probably actually cochineal, or like which cochineal, ah, uh, cochineal, like cochlear, okay, uh, which is a type of red dye. And I remember when you and I were in San Antonio.
0: Yes, we used to Tex- live in Austin, Texas, in the Texas. great
1: state of Texas, close to my heart, uh-huh. as always. Uh, at the Alamo, they talked all about trapping uh, little beetles to make some sort of red dye.
0: Yes, so apparently that's that's how they made. Cocaineal,
1: which is very confusing because it's like a it's an old world name for a new world thing
0: yeah maybe they maybe there was a previous red dye whatever
1: wow somebody's not interested in going to the entomology
0: corner <laughs> no uh, it's just I, i'm not no, interested no no it's okay it's no. okay no it's okay here's what i'm not interested in the entomology corner
1: oh she don't like the bugs
0: we also got an email from a, a fellow ex presbo named michael who is requesting a blessing for his beloved dog, Lady Jane Grey, who recently passed away at age 16. He sent pictures, and she's a very cute little friend. I think she's maybe a Westie. And Michael, you and I actually have something else in common besides both being ex-Presbos. Because when I worked at a pet store, I wanted to name the shop cat Lady Jane Grey after the cat in Bleak House. I don't know if that's who your dog is named after. But, uh... My boss ended up naming the cat Louise, which, of course, now seems like the perfect name that Mm -hmm. she could. She would only ever be named She was born born Louise. God bestowed that name on her. But, Michael, you have very good taste in pet names.
1: And tremendous respect to a great friend.
0: Charles Dickens. Oh, and Lady Jane Grey.
1: Here's a blessing for Lady Jane Grey. And as often as I saw, I blessed always Lady Jane Grey, and I continued to bless Lady Jane Grey, who has wrought great and glorious wonders to show the greatness of her work to the angels and to spirits and to men that they might praise her. R.I.P. That'll do it for today's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. It's number one hundo. We've completed a single hundo. We
0: did a hundo.
1: And... We're proud and and very happy and extremely thankful to all of you uh, for listening because otherwise, look, it simply doesn't work.
0: It just doesn't work.
1: So, I don't know. This is...
0: So, it's like, you know, thanks and stuff.
1: It's just a simple, I don't know. A simple thank you, a simple I love you to my wife.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, thanks.
1: And a simple I also love you to all our listeners. Uh,
0: okay, I'm not as jazzed about that.
1: It sounds a little bit hollow to say it. But you can follow us on Twitter (laughs) at Drop.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled with an A like arc.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Nico Bakulich. N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. We would also
0: super, 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 super appreciate if for a 100th episode birthday gift.
1: That's right. You the might, 100th anniversary uh, is the super diamond anniversary <laughs> yeah, or the iTunes review anniversary. The
0: iTunes review anniversary. And we would appreciate it if you got on there and gave us five stars, just like Chibi Silverwings, who uh, called us, quote, the great biblical lit crit, which personally, as an English major and uh, MFA in creative writing holder, and that's, famously modest person. That's my uh, dream, really. Is, is to, to be great biblical is lit crit. To be great lit crit of wow. any type.
1: If you want to email us, send us pictures of your pets or dogs.
0: Dogs don't count as pets because they're humans.
1: That's right. You can do so by emailing us at contact at sundayschooldropouts dot l o l.
0: That's contact at sundayschooldropouts dot lol do not type dot com. Simply that is, don't
1: actually where all the giants went they're mm. having a big party and they didn't invite you
0: you won't like it there <laughs> unless you do of course uh we always thank elise carlton for our amazing logo and i would like to thank nico for his music sound engineering and simply his editing skills
1: you're welcome my dear i want to thank lauren for being a tremendous one-hundo episode podcast co-host that's me We'll be back in two weeks. One oh one, baby. Simply I think we're I think we're breaking off a fresh hundo. Wow. We're snapping off a new bill. It's gonna be crisp as shit. We'll <laughs> see you then. Okay, I love you. Bye.
0: Okay, bye. <laughs>